Hey guys, it's uh, John here from Gospel Church. It's a real joy to be able to do this with you. Uh, welcome you to Good Friday today. Uh, well, see, when I'm preaching, this is not today. Uh, but we're looking forward to sitting down at the same time as you all and celebrating uh, our Lord, our Saviour, uh, the wonder of Easter together, the wonder of Jesus together this coming Easter. Um, I'll say it now and I'll say it again, uh, and I've said it before, we long for the day when we get to do this again in person, uh, when we get to meet in person, uh, but we respect our, our government's laws uh, around this and we uh, just long for the day when these restrictions can be lifted and when we can meet again and meet in person again. Uh, I'm going to pray for us real quick and then we're going to dig into the good news today. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that uh, at Easter and always we can look to good news that is greater than any bad news. Because of you we have uh, joy amidst the storm. So Lord, we pray that you would be blessing us with that joy today. And Lord, I pray that as I speak today, it wouldn't just be my words. I'm, I'm not sufficient, Lord, but you are. I pray that you would Speak to the hearts of people this Friday through this word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So uh, it's Good Friday. This is exciting. Uh, but let me tell you something else that's exciting. Uh, it's not as exciting, I'll, I'll be honest. But uh, we are currently having some work done in our kitchen. You, you can usually uh, tell, can't you, when, when a job is finished or not finished, right? Uh, and, and kitchen work is kind of one of those key examples, easy examples of that. Um, the, the work happening in our house, in our kitchen, uh, is, is pretty significant. And if you walked in there right now, you would immediately, I think, be struck with the fact that it is not finished. That it's not done. The walls aren't done. The painting isn't done. There's no sink and no plumbing for the sink, no cupboards, no stove, no oven, no, no, uh, I've said it all, fridge. There, there, there's just dust and tools uh, and, and wreck. And, and you, can, you can see when you walk in there immediately that it's not finished. You can see that the work isn't done. You know, it'd be a madman who walked into our kitchen at the moment and thought, you know what, this is it. This is what it's meant to be. This is done. Well, this Good Friday, we're going we're gonna to look at a job finished. We, we, we come today to the cross of Jesus. And as he hung there, gasping his last breaths, dying, he crowd, cried out something shocking. He cried out, it is finished. These aren't the words of one defeated. These aren't the words of one who's giving up. Jesus is saying that what he came to do was done. From the cross that killed him, this is a cry of victory. And if you understand what's happening here, then I'm convinced uh, that you understand the most significant moment in human history. You know, from the very start to the very finish, this is it. If you can see clearly why Jesus says these words, 
why he would cry out these last words from the cross, then you can see the most significant truth that there is, and the most significant truth that there is for your very life. It feels like a big claim at the moment, doesn't it? The most significant truth, the greatest thing, the greatest moment in history, you know. I feel like right now we have some things that, that we might be tempted to make contenders for that title, right? You know, is it more significant than bringing an end to the panic button? Well, yes. More significant than a coronavirus vaccine? Yes. More relevant to me, to my life right now than those things? Than anything? Yes. But, but to get there today, um, to see why, first we're going to need to address the elephant in the room, right? Because um, we, we look at Jesus on the cross and we could be tempted to think that he's a bit like my kitchen. It, it doesn't really look finished, does it? I mean, remember, what, what, what's happening here? Jesus is nailed to two logs of wood. His, his arms are stretched out, his legs down, he's gasping for air, seemingly overcome by the power of governments of this world and powers that be, by the power of death, really. For all the world, he looks like a failure here, whose work will never be finished, right? How can his death possibly be the moment of victory? Why can he yell out, it is Finished, And to answer that question, we need to ask another. Why is it finished at the cross? One essential fact here is that Jesus is not just saying that he has done what he came to do and so he's ready to die. No, he is saying that his work is being completed in his dying. In, in John chapter 10, Jesus said, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. This this was what Jesus came to do and he was doing it voluntarily. He was laying down his life, choosing to die because this is what, what God the father sent him to do. So it is finished at the cross because the cross is the work that Jesus came to do. The very purpose that Jesus was born for was to go to this cross. Uh, He brings it up with his disciples throughout the Gospels. He says the Son of Man must suffer and die and rise again, by the way. We'll get to that on Sunday. The the reason he had lived these 33 years uh, or so was ultimately to be nailed to this wood and to die. And so he's finishing his work, completing what he came to do by dying, which brings us to to the big question, the final question, what is he finishing? What is this work that is finished at the cross? And I'm going to give you at least three short answers to that question. And I hope that as I give these three answers to you, Uh, you'll see why this is the moment of victory. Why this is the most significant moment in history. Why this is the moment that it is finished. 
So firstly, all of our brokenness and sin is finished at the cross of Jesus. At the start of John's gospel, which we're in today, uh, we're looking at today, at the start of the, the... John's account of the life of Jesus, of the ministry of Jesus, when John the Baptist first lays eyes on Jesus, he says, Behold, like, like, look, look, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And that's because that's what Jesus came to do. You see, we are all two or one sinners. I'm sorry if that offends you. It's just the way it is. I'm speaking as an equal here. I'm not speaking to condemn you as one who is better than you. We are all people who've turned away from the God who created us. And the Bible teaches that that means that we are all deserving of judgment, of of punishment for our sin. And that punishment is death, by the way. But, But God so loved the world He gave his only son. He sent him. Jesus came down to be the sacrifice, to be the one who took the punishment for our sin so that whoever believed in him would would not have to carry the weight of their sin. The lamb who took away the sin of the world is Jesus. For everyone who turns from sin and believes is saved. That's that's startling really good news, isn't it? But 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 there's more. Second, and this flows on from that. Death is finished at the cross of Jesus. You see, death. And I'm not I'm not talking about some some airy concept of death. I mean death, dying death. Death, according to the Bible, is the result of sin. Brokenness, catastrophe, virus, earthquake, all of this death is in the world primarily because of the sin of humanity. It's it's not that I, I, I do one particular sin and I get one particular death, but death itself, uh, pain itself, sickness itself is in the world because of sin. But at the cross of Jesus, God has done something about it. Jesus said in John 6, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, Jesus isn't telling us to be cannibals here. (laughs) He's saying that he is the only way to life. You want, you want life, real life, then you need Jesus. Aren't we seeing the fragility of life right now? How, how easily it's lost at this very moment in time. What a tragedy. Aren't we all feeling the threat of death a bit more these days? A bit more acutely with this global virus going on. And at the same time, aren't you feeling that sense? I get this sense, and I think a lot of people do. I work in healthcare, I run into this a bit. This sense that this life 
wasn't made to be cut short so sharply. That we were made for more than 50, 60, 90, 100 years. But here's some good news that's bigger than the bad news, bigger than any bad news. Jesus has defeated death. No one else can make that claim. Because Jesus dealt with the sin of his people at the cross, death has no more claim on them than it does on him, although we'll get to the claim of death on Jesus on Sunday. It's going to be good. But the short version is that for everyone who believes in Jesus, we can trust that our death is dealt with. That although we will die a physical death one day, we will live in the same physical resurrection as Jesus forever. Our death is finished, dealt with at the cross of Jesus. Christians, let me just say, this means that we don't need to be gripped by the same panic that seems to be gripping so many people at the moment. Uh, we, we might be tempted to panic, to panic by, uh, to look inwardly, look out for number one, but we don't need to do that. We don't need to obey that temptation. Because the worst that can happen to us is that we die and then we live forever with him. Let that free you to show the love of Jesus to others. By caring for those in need, right? By offering to shop for those who are isolated. By leaving that product on the shelf. Although you might feel the need to grab it because, oh, we might need that if we need to hunker down. Leave it. Leave it for someone who needs it. By showing compassion to those, those workers who are under stress at the moment and who are used to dealing with people who are under stress and panic. You know, those, those workers in the shops when you go in who are being abused by people. Those healthcare workers who are under so much strain at the moment. Those recently or not so recently unemployed who are struggling at the moment. You know, do this by stopping to love, not just correct the person who is panicking, who is really struggling, who's gripped with this anxiety, who's spreading misinformation and panic buying. Stop to love that person. Stop to recognize that Jesus died for your sin and your death. And so you can love this person in their broken. And I said three, didn't I? Finally, uh, the clear statement of God that he loves you is finished. It's complete at the cross of Jesus. Because at the cross of Jesus, he chose to die for us. He laid down his life for everyone who would believe. And that can be anyone, by the way. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You know, do you hear what it said there in the, in the, the passage that 
that Rod read out for us just before. He gave, he said, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. He gave it. It wasn't taken from him. He chose to die for you. He chose to carry your sin in her death. Unlike every other person who ever went to a cross and died, right? And there were many historically. Unlike every one of them, Jesus went voluntarily. In fact, he carried all of our sin voluntarily. No one could have taken his life, but he gave it for you. You might be watching this and thinking, that can't be me. That's not me. He wouldn't save me. But I am so happy to say that you're so wrong. Look at the Bible and look at the people who God saves. The people who are who are heroes in the Bible, really. Look at everyone aside from Jesus. They're all sinners. They're all broken. They're all unlikely choices. Murderers get a mention there. He saves them. He saves failures. He saves the lowest lowlifes and the highest member of members of society alike. And, and with no discrimination for who they are, he just does it because he loves them. Now, I love the story of Paul. In the book of Acts there. Been reading this recently. In in one chapter of Acts, he is we read that he's he's breathing threats of murder against God's church. He's literally breathing, I'm gonna kill them, I'm gonna kill them, I'm gonna kill them. That's how he breathes. And in the next he encounters Jesus. And he believes in Jesus. And he, he is transformed. He's, he's sharing the goodness of Jesus from then on. And his, his breathing of murder, threats of murder, becomes a lifelong repetition of the joy of the good news. He loves me. He died to save me. He is good beyond anything that I could have imagined or anything that you could imagine. You know, broadly, this is the experience of every follower of Jesus, every Christian, it's my experience. I didn't deserve saving. I didn't deserve to have my sin and my death finished for me, but God showed me his finished love by sending Jesus to die for me when I was his enemy. And that just brings us to the question that must be asked, doesn't it? Have you encountered him? Has your sin, your death, been finished at the cross of Jesus? The Bible says that all you need to do is turn from sin and believe in him. Throw yourself on him. Tell him in prayer, Jesus, I need you. I need you to deal with my sin. I can't. I need you to deal with my death. I can't. I need you to show me your love. And when you come to him, needy and broken, 
you'll find to your joy that like every one of the followers before you, you'll find to your joy that it is already finished at the cross of Jesus. Tell you what, why don't we pray this now? Jesus, thank you that at your cross you finished the work. Lord, that you did what was needed to rescue me out of my sin, out of my death. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Save me. Make me new. Finish my sin and my death. Show me your love in Jesus, at the cross of Jesus. Amen.